In recent weeks, children in care have sparked two police investigations. In the most serious case, a three-year-old boy in Auckland died from head injuries while in the care of his extended family. The second had a happier outcome when a schoolgirl who went missing from her foster parents in Lower Hutt was found three days later. In all, there are around 5,000 children in care, a number that Child, Youth and Family is trying to reduce. Sue Ingram investigates what's happening. I began smoking, I began drinking, um, sniffing aerosols and things like that, and it just became a bit too much for my family to handle. So they got SIFs involved and said that I was in need of care and protection because I couldn't, they couldn't do it for me and I couldn't do it for myself. This is Caitlin. At 17, she's had a five-year history of being in care and now has a young baby. Um, it started off as a temporary basis, but then because even in care, I kept, you know, getting worse and worse. And as I said, not caring what anyone thought, absconding, um, verbally abusing my caregivers and things like that, it became a permanent basis. Caitlin's behaviour included aerosol sniffing and cutting herself or self-harming. Even not being in care, I've been moved around from family member to family member because of my behaviour. Um, so I was used to it, but it was hard because I just wanted to fit in and I just wanted to be able to do be somewhere until I could go home. It, I just always wanted to go home. Being in care can adversely affect people throughout their lives. They do less well at school, experience more physical and mental health problems and often get in trouble with the law. Caitlin finds it difficult to stay in one place for any length of time and difficult to feel close to people. I find it hard to trust people these days just because of where I've been and I've been around a lot so it's like I've never actually grown to try be able to trust anyone. The most up-to-date figures show that there were just over 5,000 children and young people in care in the year ending June 2007. They have been placed with extended family, Fano, or with non-family foster carers because their parents can't, won't and don't care for them. Mandy Andrioli is a social worker in the foster care sector. Many of our young people have been in care from age perhaps two to six years of age due to severe forms of abuse and neglect. They may have one parent in prison, one parent may have mental health issues, and often there's a number of siblings as well, and all the kids will be in care. Child, youth and family say parents coming to the agency's attention are often using drugs and alcohol. Mike and Pam have been fostering for two years. The biggest thing would be violent homes, parents not caring for them, the parents are at the pub all day, no food in the house. A typical example is... A ten-year-old looking after a six and a four, and a four-year-old trying to yeah. find food for them while mum and dad are either out doing drugs or at the pub. In the six years between June 2001 to June last year, the number of children in care grew by 30%. In 2001, 3,900 children and young people were in care. By 2007, that had risen to 5,050. The Ministry of Social Development says two factors driving the increase have been a rise in the average duration of a child in care and the fact that of those who leave care, 30% or more return in later years. The increase has also come during a period of significant growth in the number of calls to child, youth and family, most notably referrals from police family violence teams. Debbie Sternfels is the agency's manager of care and protection. 
over the period from about 2002 through to now, we've had something like an annual growth rate of 23% in notifications, that is reports that have come to Children and Family of people concerned about the care and protection of children. And over that same period, there's only been an annual growth rate of 3% of children coming into care. So some of the, of the numbers of children coming to care are driven by, by the general concern that the population might, you know, neighbours and police and health and education might have about children. But what we're seeing is we aren't seeing the rise in children coming into the care system that matches the number of concerns coming to us. That quoted annual growth rate of 3% is the average increase for the years 2002 to 2007. It conceals that one year earlier the rise was 10%. After that the rate of yearly growth has fluctuated between 4 and 5% before stabilising last year. Carolyn Hill, the chairperson of the New Zealand Family and Foster Care Federation, believes the steady increase may have been because of the growing alarm over child abuse. Some would feel that children are being taken into care when perhaps they shouldn't be, and perhaps leading up to, say, um, 2006, it was just getting more and more children perhaps not looking for um, family, looking more to go straight to out-of-family placements. The government minister responsible for child, youth and family is Ruth Dyson. She believes the agency became increasingly risk-adverse, driven by public opinion to intervene more often. Certainly after a lot of publicity, which generally happens after a child has been killed, um, I, I can detect a, a more risk-averse response coming from the department, but in fact it comes from all social service agencies where the inclination to remove a child from their family just in case anything happens is very strong rather than seeing what other supports can be put in place. But Debbie Sturmfels from Child, Youth and Family rejects this. We have seen from some research that we've done ourselves that when there are serious incidences against children that are particularly are reported in the media, that we have an increase of notifications to child and family. So I think the general population becomes much more risk averse and much more aware. And we, we've certainly seen that correlation. I don't think we've seen that correlation coming into the risk adverseness of the of the actions of child and family. It might mean that we accept more notifications and do some assessment of them, but I think the figures show that that doesn't mean that we automatically remove a child just because we think something might happen to it. Debbie Sternfels believes there's no point describing 5,000 children in care as good or bad because she says the underlying reason behind the trend has to be understood. Nonetheless, in key parts of the agency's strategy, there is now an emphasis on both reducing the number of children entering care and reducing the number of children in care. There is also a focus on reducing the time a child or young person spends in care and the number of placements they experience while in care. To tackle this, two years ago, Child, Youth and Family rolled out what is referred to as the permanency policy. We have set some guidelines and some frameworks for social workers around and giving them information about why it's important for permanency, around being able to ensure stability, permanent attachment with an adult member, whether that be family or non-family, and setting some, some ways of being able to record that so that we can gather that information over time and understand the picture, and to giving them some guidelines around how we might affect permanency and what permanency might mean. 
strip out the policy speak and the strategy intends to reduce the number of children in care and speed up the process of placing a child in a stable and permanent home. How's that being done, and how well is it being achieved? Two years on from the permanency policy rollout, the minister Ruth Dyson says it's too early to gauge its success. I'm pleased that the numbers have stopped going up. Um, it's a little early to say whether this is a trend in terms of flattening out or in,、uh, in actual decreases in overall numbers.、Um, but the early indications are that we have fewer children in care now that we, than we have had over the last、um, three or four years. So that's a good sign. Child, youth, and family aims to keep children in their own homes wherever possible, and increase the number of children cared for by family or kin. Caroline Hill from the Family and Foster Care Federation says she's noticed a change in emphasis. There is quite a big push at the moment for family to be found, for wider family to provide the care placements. Now that's always been the belief that. We need to look to family first before we place a child within and out of family care, but right now there is even more of a push for that to happen. For past generations, looking to relatives to take over the care of a child in need was common, but now Carolyn Hill warns things have changed. The difference might be today that the family are being contacted and told of what's going on in their family and asked. To take the family, it hasn't come from within themselves necessarily. Family are fairly scattered and may not even know the children that they're going to take on. Family barrister Gary Collin is also wary of children being placed with their grandparents. Children are removed from their parents because they're in need of care and protection. There are issues. Often, those kind of issues are generational. So that the、um, parents have issues because of the way they were parented, but yet we're placing the children with their grandparents. Caroline Hill says although trying to keep children with their family should be the first option, in some cases she believes they'd do better if non-family caregivers, that is foster parents, were found. People think of it as last resort and don't see it for the positives that it can provide. It can provide the opportunity for a child to get up to speed, for a child to see a different way of being. There are many benefits from a child being in foster care, and I think sometimes it's quoted that family care is the be-all and end-all, and I don't necessarily think that's true. Clinical psychologist Wendy Kelly says continuity of care is the key, and keeping children within their own cultural context and own wider family can help that, although it doesn't automatically ensure plain sailing. There's been a big move in New Zealand and elsewhere to have kinship placements, and the idea of those is that that would help with the child's sense of identity and belonging and. With their sense of who they are, and it's always good if you're able to find a good placement within the family. But there are also some extra stresses that may go on there. For example, there may be more contact and more pressure that goes on from the biological parents if they're related. And so,、uh, some studies have found that, in fact, placements are as likely to break down. Some have found that they're less likely to break down if they involve kinship. The permanency policy suggests that decisions about permanent placements should be made within six months for children under six, and within eighteen months for older children.
But Debbie Sternfels from Child, Youth and Family says imposing strict timeframes is difficult when there are complex family issues. We know that for very small children, for example, the more quickly you do that, the better it is for the child. Um, we know that older children can wait a little bit longer. But whether it's one month, two months or three months for, for a child or sometimes six months, you can't put that in concrete. So while our permanency policy might say best practice says, what we're wanting to do is to, is to enable that social workers can focus on what the needs of that child are and within the time frame of focusing on that child, come to the decisions as early as possible. And that can be quite difficult because you can't actually affect a permanency decision, whether it's to return a child to a family or to provide the child with secure um, placement within their wider family or in fact with other family if that's necessary, unless everybody agrees to that. Although the timeframes may not be hard and fast, Christchurch barrister Gary Collin says in his experience the permanency policy has led to social workers making decisions about a child's future too quickly. The speed in which they try and implement the permanency policy is so fast that it doesn't give the parents a, a proper opportunity to try and do the things in their life that they need to in order to have the children return to them. Often these parents require ongoing counselling, they may require anger management, drug or alcohol problems, uh, or they've got significant relationship problems that they need help with. And three months is not long enough, uh, and in, in many cases it would take a, um, you know, a period of one year to 18 months for any significant change to be made. Mr Collin believes the drive to find permanent care for a child means families are being shut out. He says this is at odds with the principles of the Children, Young Persons and Their Families Act that says if it's safe, children should be returned to their parents if at all possible. What they do is they uplift the children where there is a need to have uplifted them. They place them in a, a home and then within a few months they try and ensure that the child becomes settled and propose a permanent arrangement. So once that happens, the need to work with the family to return the children, to work with the parents to improve the way they parent or to improve their reaction um, to their children, uh, the need to do that goes. And what about maintaining contact with the family or with parents? Uh, This has been one of my main concerns. Uh, On the ground, what's happening is that once they decide that a child should be in the permanent care of another caregiver, they generally try and restrict the contact between the child and the natural parents so as not to upset the bonding between the child and the new caregivers. The way that works in practice is that they propose often that the child see the natural parents for one hour a month, which is very common, and in many cases there are proposals that they see their parents a lot less, so three or four times a year for one to two hours. And I think what they do is they say, well, we're a child's permanently in care. What we're going to do is to ensure that the child knows their parent rather than that the child has a relationship with their parent. Wendy Kelly, who works with children who have been abused and neglected, says determining the best time frame for deciding whether a child can be returned to its parents is very difficult. 
the time frame for adults is very different mm. to the time frame for children and two years doesn't seem long to an adult and to deal with a very complex issue for an adult but for a child two years is a completely different developmental phase they might have started school they might have um, gone to high school and so it's a long time for them and they are the factors that we're judging the rights of the biological parent and giving them an opportunity to change versus the rights of the child to have an ongoing family and ongoing family relationships. Child, Youth and Family finds itself criticised both by those who believe parents are given too much time to try to get their lives together and those who believe parents are not given enough time. Debbie Sternfels. Whatever we do, there will be somebody who thinks that we're not quite doing it right. There will always be criticism that you should have removed this child earlier. Um, just as there was always criticism that you removed them too early. Well, that's the nature of social work. It's not a black and white science. But family barrister Gary Collin fears that one of the drivers of the permanency policy is a financial one. The first driver is the fact that it's good for children to be in a permanent relationship and not moved around, so it provides certainty. The second driver is that it removes caseload from the social workers. They no longer have to oversee the family in the same way. The caregivers are basically on their own and there are no six-monthly or yearly reviews that they have to conduct for the court. The third driver, I think, is quite clearly a fiscal one uh, because of the significant savings that can be made as a result of children going into permanent care. On average, each child in care costs child, youth and family around $15,000 a year, and the provision of care is one of the agency's biggest budget items. However, Debbie Sternfels denies that cost is a driver. If we had a bottomless bucket that, that is no restrictions on what we could spend, we would still be working to ensure that children stay within their family wherever possible and where they're safe for that child because that is where evidence is telling us that best outcomes are for children. But we also know, and our role is, to ensure that our children can't be kept safe and have their well-being maintained within their own family, that we need to take action. And so we would do that. It's got nothing to do with money at all. It's about what is right and what is the best way to, to affect what's right for children. The permanency policy is also intended to reduce the number of times a child is moved from one caregiver to another. On the first night I ran away and I came back the next day drunk and off my face on the aerosols and um, the caregiver asked me where I'd been and what I'd been doing. I lied and she just couldn't take that. In her five years in care, Caitlin reckons she had 11 or 12 different caregivers. The longest lasted for a year and a half, the shortest two days. Sitting with her baby, she describes to Radio New Zealand's Kushla Manor what that felt like. My caregivers found it hard to look after me because I wasn't, I was hardly ever at home because I was always running away and I was coming home drunk and things like that. If I did come home at all, I'd disappear for, I think the longest time I disappeared for was nine, nine days and that's when I went up to Auckland just to be with my friends and things like that and, and just kept getting moved and um, I think the only time I wasn't moved on bad circumstances was when my caregiver had to stop being a caregiver because she was sick. When you had to move, how were you prepared for that? What sort of notice and things? I got up to, the longest notice time I got was two days 
and the shortest was two hours, uh, I'd say about two hours. I was done that, you know, decided that morning, done that afternoon. What was that like? It was hard, because um, I think the reason why I was like I was was because all I needed was attention, and I just wanted someone to show me they cared. But, you know, with kickers, you don't really get... I mean, they show you they care, but it wasn't in the way I was seeking, if that makes sense. So um, it was hard because I was, even though I didn't really show it, I was trying to fit in, and that's why I was always running works because I just didn't fit in, and I felt I didn't fit in anyway. So it was hard. So many movements around the place. How many of the 11 or 12 were short? Like, I, I don't know, what, what do you consider short? I consider short to be less than six months. And I'd probably about nine of those were short. So I, how did you feel when they said that? You've got to go, Caitlin. I felt broken because I just wanted to settle in. I just wanted to focus on going home. And, I mean, it was I never put my suitcase away. It was always just in my closet where I could easily get because I knew I'm not going to be here for long. Carolyn Hill from the Family and Foster Care Federation says multiple placements are a huge concern. Most people recognise that it is not good to move a child. But at the beginning, a child may be just going temporarily to a caregiver. It may be a family member that's just going to provide some care. You know, they may have only undertaken to look after the child just temporarily for the mother. It may be that the child can't go back and moves to another placement. Now, each time that child's move, it just adds to the trauma for that child, adds to the behaviours, and a family have already got other children. They may say, well, I didn't know it was going to be quite like this. This child doesn't fit in with our family, causes a lot of problems in our family, and... It may be that the child goes to numerous family placements before they come to the notice of child, youth and family. Then they place them temporarily while they find a solution. And then it may be numerous placements before a decision is made that this child needs to be in an out-of-family permanent placement. For children who have been abused or neglected, their emotional and mental state can make their behaviour extremely challenging. Multiple placements can make that worse. Clinical psychologist Wendy Kelly says how children are cared for moulds their ideas about themselves and relationships. The child may think, well, um, maybe there's something wrong with me, maybe I'm no good. They may think a family is something that leaves you and abandons you. They may think the world is a pretty unpredictable and unsafe place. And so what we think is that the more a child's caregiving has changed, the more they may take negative messages for that about themselves and about families and about the world. The National Party's spokesperson on child, youth and family, Anne Tolly, says she's very concerned about the number of children who experience multiple placements. I think we were looking at over a 1,000 children last year moved more than three times. And that's very disruptive for children. These are vulnerable children who are already probably very emotionally disturbed, and what they need is security. The headline figures do indeed show that in the 12 months to June last year, just over 1,000 children experienced three or more caregiver episodes. But the jargon, along with how the data is collected and presented, helps to obfuscate how many placements children are actually experiencing. Minister Ruth Dyson. I've explained to Anne Tolly at the Select Committee and in answers to questions from the House that if you have a child who's very um, 
disruptive, very challenging, very hard to manage, then one of the options for a foster family, and indeed their own family, is to have that child in respite care for a weekend. Give them a break, chilling out time. If the child moves from the foster home to the respite care and back again, that's counted as movement. But actually that isn't what you'd think of in terms of a multiple placement. That isn't moving a kid from one semi-permanent home to another semi-permanent home. The inclusion of respite care in the data is something, though, that Ms Dyson accepts needs to change. It's a frustrating part of our data collection that we don't have that information at hand for every individual child that is being changed. I hope that within uh, this calendar year we'll have a system that provides us with more robust information. However, in late 2006, the Ministry of Social Development could extrapolate enough from the data to tell ministers that 10% of children in care experience more than eight placements. Debbie Stumfels from Child, Youth and Family. What our data is telling us, though, if we look at it from a different side, is that for our children who are aged up to the age of 13, our current data is telling us that 86% of those have two or less caregiver episodes. So that's two or less changes. Mandy Andrioli works with some of those who don't fall into that 86%. She's a social worker for specialist foster care with Wesley Community Action. This is one of a group of non-governmental organisations contracted by the government to place some of the most challenging young people with caregivers. I've worked alongside a 12-year-old boy who had been in 36 different placements, I think a period of four years. Um, and because his behaviours were deemed so challenging um, in that regular foster care setting, he just gets bumped on to the next one. Some of the other people I've, young people I've worked alongside, generally the ones that have been in care since they were very young have experienced perhaps 10 to 15 placements. That's probably quite common. Wesley caregivers Mike and Pam have had four teenage boys placed with them over two years, each boy having had multiple placements. The first one was about three and a half, four months. The second one was 11 months. We had another one for three months. Three and a half and months. now this one for and a month. This one. They are offenders, usually, that Wesley have. So, yeah, that usually comes from moving around a lot. And they don't form attachments with previous caregivers. Like our first young person, he had 13 placements, and the longest he'd ever stayed anywhere was a month. He was just somebody who was some for an hour, some for half a day. Wesley Community Action is funded to give intensive support to a child in care and their caregiver for a period of 12 to 18 months. It's hoped that within that time frame, a young person can gain stability and be helped to reconnect with family or gain independence. Clinical psychologist Wendy Kelly says permanency is the answer, but it's a very complex answer. And she has a mixed opinion about how well things are going. I think we're doing very well. In fact, we lead the world in terms of running family group conferences so that families take part in the decision-making about their children. I think we've done much better in bringing in families so that they are caring for their children rather than stranger caregivers and I think there are a lot of initiatives out there to train foster parents. We're bringing in more intensive therapy programs but I think we've got a long way to go. Caitlin is out of care now and living independently 
with her young baby. Her experience has been a tough one, but she says it will make her a better parent. Once I decided that I was going to keep her, it was like, I'm going to try and give her the best life I can. I'm not going to put her in care. I'm not going to put her through anything I went through. I think that's why I believe that I'm such a good mum now, is because I'm trying to give her the life that I never got, with a lot of affection. Like I, I want her to grow up knowing that I'll always be there for her.